All right, hey, what's up, guys? Uh, back here with another Theo Bell podcast. So, um, got a nice little treat for you guys today, and I got my boy Drake Berkner. Yo, yo, yo. A, uh, he's gonna be uh, co-hosting this podcast with me now. Yeah. So it was a new addition. Um, I didn't, I didn't want to do it alone. Thought it would be better with two people, you yeah. know. So having conversations here and there. So, um, Drake, you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself, you know? Yeah, yeah. So Ben and I know each other from CFLC. Um, I was I was there for the original Theo Bell. We um, we got Taco Bell, which was a very common thing for us with the with the other homie Tyler Gott, and uh, we just started talking. And Ben and I always have theological discussions, and we just ended up sitting in Taco Bell for like an hour or two. Just having a very deep theological discussion over um, gordita crunches <laughs> and Baja Blast. And then we were like, we got, got up to leave. And I was like, wow, that was actually super deep and uh, very theological. And Ty, I think Tyler was actually the one who coined the term. Um, he, would, he would be very appreciative if I actually credited him. Because uh, sometimes I steal his jokes. But... Uh, so then we were like, Theo Bell, like, that's a thing. That's a thing now. Um, and then Ben was like, yeah, dude, I think I want to do a podcast, you know, talking about the theology. And I was like, dude, you should make Theo Bell the title. And he was like, ooh, that's a good idea. And then uh, I made that, that cover art for him with the little Taco Bell logo. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we never get sued for that. Yeah. So, um, Don't report us. <laughs> yeah but uh but yeah so then so then the rest is history as they say so um yeah and then we talked about what we could do for the first topic and uh I had really gotten into this topic recently so like while we were talking about doing all of this um and I was like I think it would be a very bold first <laughs> topic to just hit hit the ground running. So, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about hell. Um, yeah, so for our first topic, it's a bit uh, bit deep, but, uh, uh, I mean, that's how, that's how we do it in Theo Bell. So, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, we're going to just, uh, Drake is going to start us off with this topic, uh, you know, kind of hit the surface, and then uh, from there, I mean, we're going to have conversation and talk about it. Obviously, just to preface this uh, podcast, this episode, um, this is merely a conversation. Just take this episode, take this whole podcast as a way of just starting conversations with one another. Mm-hmm. Um, ask questions, you know. Yeah. Um, one of the best advice I ever got was ask the hard questions. Yeah. Ask the questions that are going to be awkward. Um, so, yeah, with this uh, topic, uh, don't take anything, you know, like... As gold, take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. And you know what? I encourage you guys to dig in yourself and see what you guys can yeah, get out of it. Totally. So, uh, go ahead, Drake. Yeah, and like you know, like Ben said, we're no we're no theologians ourselves. We're just you know Christians who are interested in this kind of thing. So um, we're just doing our own research and just kind of putting out what we've come up with and just you know figuring it out from there. So um, this topic was really interesting to me because I've like, I've grown up in church and heard, uh, you know, people talk about hell, 
describe it in certain ways. And um, I just had trouble personally, like, rationalizing kind of the Dante, Dante's Inferno or the, um, you know, eternal torment view of hell with the same, like, loving God who, you know, sent Jesus for us and to redeem us. I just, it was hard for me to, to like, put the two together. So I just never really stuck with that um, or, like, got it. And so I started to do my own research more recently um, into other views. And um, I came into this view of abolitionism, um, which is kind of just that hell is not necessarily the eternal torment, but is more of a second death. Um, And then as I did more research, I found some more stuff that kind of went along with that. And then also some stuff that maybe didn't go along with that. So we will just present all of that to you now. Yeah. So um, to start off, we will start in Genesis because it is Genesis the beginning so um we were talking about this the other day and i had it confused and i quoted something completely wrong to ben bob (laughs) um but um i thought that they could oh so obviously garden of eden story adam and eve are put in the garden and jesus tells them they're um there you can eat from any tree except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil um and what he says to Adam in Genesis 2.17, he says, But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in that day that you eat from it you will sh- surely die. Um, so a lot of the time whenever uh, it, we speak of sin or anything like that, the, the ultimate outcome of, of it is death. Like we're presented with you know, not you will go to hell, but even like in the beginning in Genesis, God tells them that this like the outcome is death. You will die if you do this. And um, most of us know how that story goes. They get tempted by the serpent and then um, they do eat it and they try to hide from God. God figures it out, even though he knew it the whole time. Um, And then they are banished from the Garden of Eden. And um, we are basically led to believe that in the beginning, the Garden of Eden was their, their version of heaven because God lived there with them, walked with them. Um, they were able to eat from the Tree of Life, which was the other tree that um, is mentioned specifically in Genesis. Um, so basically that was heaven. And then once they are banished from the Garden of Eden, they are like in the world that we now live in, which is a sinful world, an imperfect world. Um, and with that, there's also um, God tells Eve that now there will be pain in childbirth and um, 
So even within that um, original sin, there is like new life, which is really interesting. Maybe another topic for another podcast. But uh, but yeah, so um, from then on in uh, most of like the Torah, the Old Testament, Jewish belief, they speak of uh, Sheol as the um, hell of the afterlife. Um, that was the Hebrew term, um, which Ben Bob did a little research on that one. Um, yeah, so I was, yeah, I looked it up and uh, just found some interesting things about it. Uh, Sheol, which was the Hebrew uh, term to basically the afterlife. Uh, and Hades and Tartarus uh, were Greek. And when I looked this up, it was interesting. Uh, it, it talked about how those references, you know, those words, it, they associated those words with the grave or more literally uh, the unseen. And there was no burning associated to it, which kind of brings us to this area where we're like, so... The, the Old Testament, uh, the people, you know, in biblical times saw the afterlife as a place where it was just kind of like, you could say settling in, like it, there was in a way no, no torture to it. And it was, it was, uh, well, and we'll talk about this a little bit later down this episode. Um, like only I think one time, or it was like a couple times and it was only in the New Testament that when pe- when a person referred to the afterlife, referred to it as burning or torture, which uh, brings it into an inter- interesting perspective. But uh, I'm going to give it back over to you, Drake, and tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, Sheol was just more understood as, like, the place of the dead and just what, like, what happens when you die. Um and in Ecclesiastes, in a couple different places in the Old Testament, it talks about, um, you know, man came from dust and it shall return to dust. Um, so it's it's definitely not uh, the heaven afterlife um, that we are more familiar with. When we talk about, like, heaven for what the Jews believe, uh, many people bring up Abraham's bosom. But uh, as we researched, that was really only brought up by Jesus. Yeah, by Jesus once in the New Testament, whenever he was talking to uh, to the Jews about the rich man and the poor man. Um, so um, to transition, that so that's basically what the Jews believed, that after you died, you went to Sheol, it was a final death, and that was basically it. Yeah, uh, and it's kind of, you know, thinking about that, it, it it's interesting to see that back then the Israelites or the Jews or um, just people that were basically the chosen people of God saw, you could say, hell as a place where it was just kind of like where your soul just kind of rots, yeah. you know? It's like a place where you're just like, I mean, if you've seen like Hercules, the cartoon, you know, the cartoon animation, <laughs> you just like see them just kind of like twirling in that hole, you yeah. know? It, like there was no pain associated to it, but I'm sure there was just this this like 
um, you know, just kind of the look on their faces, you know, yeah. like speaking from Pain. the cartoon animation of it, you know. So it's interesting to see how they saw that as hell. Mm-hmm. But then they also, I mean, they did see paradise in heaven, but they only saw it as what in the Old Testament was referred to as like, these are like getting to the promised land, you know, the yeah. place with milk and honey yeah. and all that, which is interesting. Yeah, you know? yeah. But yeah, so um, so then as we transition forward, um, when Jesus came to earth, obviously that changed a whole lot. Big, big, big game changer. Oh, yeah. um, Power play. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, so it's interesting when we, when we learn about Jesus and what he did while he was on earth, um, he, he, you know, we know the story of Lazarus, his friend, who he, his, his other friends come to Jesus and say, Jesus, our friend Lazarus has died. If only you had been here, he would not have died. And he kind of tells them, no, it's okay. Don't worry about it. And they're kind of taken aback by that. And they're like, what do you mean? Our friend is dead. You could have done something had you been here, but you weren't here. And um, he challenges them in response and says, you know, how much, how much faith do you have in me? Because um, he kind of he gets in their face and is like, I am, I am the son of God. And, you know, I have all power, so I can still do something here. Um, so then he goes to Lazarus and tells him, wake up. And then he rises from the dead and comes back to life. And everybody is amazed. It's a beautiful moment. Um, and then also when we um, talk about him raising another girl from the dead who was a Roman's daughter. Um, he, again, in that moment, just tells her to wake up. Um, so uh, looking at that, uh, and I've talked to my friend Bon Cantina about this because uh, he's another deep theological guy I can have those conversations with. Um, and he speaks and is like, you know, I think that might be where we get the idea of purgatory from. Because since Jesus was sent to die on the cross for us so that we could have a chance to go to heaven, um, what was like what was the situation for people who died while Jesus was on earth? And um if we look at those examples, he is telling them to just wake up. So that leads us to believe they might have just been in a state of sleep or um, in a somewhat in-between area. So it's very interesting. Um, and then the, the, big, the big thing that um, we come across with that kind of like goes against this idea of um, death for sinners just being a final death where the soul simply ceases to exist 
is the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, which I'm not sure if this is the same Lazarus um, or it's just a common name back then. Who knows? But um, so the parable is uh, of a rich man who uh, knows a leper. And um, I'll basically just read it so we can kind of pick it apart a little bit. Um, it's in Luke uh, 16, 22 through 31. I, most of my verses are from uh, the New American Standard Bible. Um, just so you know, if you want to look them up for yourself. Uh, but so it says, Now the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus so that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool off my tongue, for I am in agony in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your life you received your good things and likewise Lazarus bad things. But now he is being comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great chasm fixed, so that those who wish to come over from here to you will not be able, and that none may cross over there, from there to us. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, that you send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, in order that he may warn them, so that they will not also come to this place of torment. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. So, to pick that apart a little bit, starting at the beginning, um, the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom. Um, this, to give a bit of perspective, Jesus was speaking to Jews in this instance. Um, so, Abraham was the father of the Jewish religion, um, so, the, Jesus is kind of saying that heaven would be with Abraham um, because Abraham was the father. He uh, started the religion, so he more than likely would have ended up in heaven. Um, we weren't able to find that in the Old Testament, um, which is interesting, but we're talking about hell. So, heaven is another discussion. Um, and then it says, the rich man was died and was buried. In Hades, he lifted up his eyes. This was translated from Greek. So that's why in English now we're reading it as Hades. But if you go to the original manuscript, Jesus actually used the word Sheol in this instance. So, yeah, the Hebrew version of the realm of the dead. Um, and so since Jesus was speaking to the Jews, he used that to give them perspective of just to be on the same understanding as them. Um, and uh, the rich man is speaking to Lazarus from Sheol and he's in torment. He says he's in flames. Um, so then... That So then the question is, is Sheol a place of flames? Because the Hebrews never spoke of it in that way.
I've kind of had this conversation a little bit ago with Drake where I, we were taught this even in church where Jesus like spoke in a way that's familiar to mm-hmm. the, to the yeah. Jews and Gentiles and to, well, actually, sorry, not Gentiles. Did he speak to Gentiles? Yeah, he spoke to Gentiles. Yeah, he yeah. spoke to everyone. Um, in a way that's familiar, to, in a way of like vineyards and reaping and sowing, just because he spoke to a lot of farmers, a lot of shepherds yeah. and all that. Oh, yeah. Um, and so like I would see why he would like even like kind of s- describe or even describe the afterlife in a way that's familiar to them. Like yeah. um, with the whole like burning situation in hell. Uh, where nowadays where if somebody would want to tell you of a place of torture, mm-hmm. I mean physicality would be like first one on there. But at the same time there's just ways of just breaking a person mm-hmm. mentally, breaking yeah. a person from the inside out. You know, which is a lot, a lot more deeper and a lot more meaningful than just hurting somebody. Because mm-hmm. I mean, if we want to get a, a little bit off topic, but uh, if we want to just think about the ways people in like very, very special forces, uh, like military-wise, are trained and True. disciplined. True. Uh, some of them are disciplined so harshly that they, even in midst of torture. They mm-hmm. would rather die than give any sort of information to the enemy. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's it's interesting how Jesus likes to make things familiar to the people he's speaking to. Mm-hmm. So I could see why he could use that type of wording. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and then, so this is the only instance of Jesus using the word Sheol when he is speaking of hell or the afterlife. Um because of, like we just said, the familiarity aspect. But when we go to verses like Matthew five twenty one, where he says, if your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out and throw it from you, for it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than your whole body to be thrown into hell. Um, and he speaks of, in Matthew five twenty two, whoever says you fool shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell, when he says things like this, if we look at the original translation, um, he's actually using the word Gehenna. Man, this word right here has been, if anything, that has been uh, the starter of this discussion. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> so we actually, it was it was this topic that we talked about for our first, like, Theo Bell, as in like in person and talk about, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. This is, I brought it up because it had been eating away at me. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, it was, uh, and from there it kind of went on to uh, when we had uh, scripture study groups and we just kind of like had a, had a group that it was very theological and we had our man, uh, Bon Cantina, if you don't know him, uh, look him up on Spotify. <laughs> yeah, easy sleep. <laughs> yeah, bro. Uh, but... We yeah we had that discussion with our group and just kind of like got into it and it was really good but mm-hmm. just kind of to give Gehenna a little bit of description so Jesus used it in the parable of like basically instead of like ruining your whole body you know ruin a part of it so you're not your whole body or and your mm-hmm. soul doesn't go into hell um, Gehenna was actually uh, called Valley of Hinnom um, it was located south end of Jerusalem yes. and. Um, it was basically a place where the pagan god Moloch was there and people that worshipped him went there and offered human sacrifices. Yeah. Um, and the way they would kind of worship 
this God, uh, lowercase God, uh, is uh, they would bring their own children alive uh, and uh, place them, place their baby on the fury hot hands of the statue while the pagan priest beat the drums to cover the screams of the baby as it was being incarcerated. Uh, I mean, incinerated. <laughs> and um, that, that, that just, to me, that's like, I can't, like, I mean, that could, like, I, I'm, I'm trying to comprehend it. Yeah, it's insane. That's some dark humanity, that, oh, yeah. you know? And it was, historically speaking, for the worship to be accepted by this God, um, the parent of the child had to stand there motionless and emotionless and, like, just kind of basically not show that he's sad, that he's yeah. upset, that he's Any heartbroken. Any remorse, anything. You know? yeah. he, can't, he can't show mourning or griefing. And for me, it's just like, how can you get to that level of basically yeah, humanity to where even as a parent, which is like basically what God uses to describe his relationship with us yeah. and just not care about your children. Yeah. Um, uh, but then um, with that, when the Is- and this was kind of like in the beginning of when the Valley of Hinnom and like all of that was being created. Yeah. But later on, because even Israelites were starting to follow that, you could say religion, that, that, yeah. the, the following that cult. Um, but when Israelite finally abandoned child sacrifices and uh, tried to get back to the Lord, the baking, the baking gods of Moloch. So basically also another thing is that Moloch and Baal were basically the same type of God. Yeah. Um, they were just different names, but mm-hmm. they worshiped the same. And I mean, honestly, any lowercase God, they're kind of, they're the same God yeah. basically. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the, the back to what I was saying, uh, when they were going back to the Lord, the baking gods of Moloch and Baal were removed. After that, it was turned to a garbage dump where the fire burned their fuse continuously, which is very interesting in our topic where um, Jesus did refer to Gehenna as hell. And yeah. as we see, Gehenna is kind of referred to as a place of a garbage dump yeah. that the fire is burning endlessly and endlessly and endlessly. Yeah. So when when Jesus speaks of hell, that was the term he used most of the time. And uh, it was a very literal place, as Ben just described. Uh, and it was a place of fire, of pagan worship, of et cetera, et cetera. So um, when Jesus was telling uh, his followers and the people who were hearing what he had to say about if you do this, you will go to hell. If you make these mistakes, it'll go, you you will go to hell. Um, it is better for you to lose one part than your entire body to be burned in hell. He was telling them that, like, if you do these things, you will end up in the fire dump that is outside of town, and your body will be burned alive. Um, so, whenever we put hell in the perspective of you know, it's this place of eternal fire, uh, pagan worship, et cetera, et cetera. We have to reel it back in a little bit and realize that when Jesus was saying that, he was saying it was a very literal place that was just outside of town that everyone had to have known about. Um, and that's that's what he was 
saying was going to be people's fate. Um, so for me, I was like, okay, so the, now, I, now I kind of understand where we got our idea of hell from, where we painted the picture of what hell was supposed to be. Um, because, you know, with this whole perspective, you, you see where we get the fire from. You see where we get the pagan worship from. You see where we get the, the lake of fire from. Um, but then we look at verses like John 3.16, whoever believes in me shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. Um, to me, it seems like that is saying, you, if you do not believe in Jesus, you will perish and you will die. But if you do believe in Jesus, then you have the opportunity of eternal life. And like, that is the gift of God. The only way you can get that is believing in Jesus. Um, so then I kind of, then it becomes a struggle of, okay, well, if hell isn't what I was led to believe it was, then what's the point in believing in God and living a Christian life? Um, if that's not what we believe, like if there's no punishment or it's not the punishment that I thought it was, what's the point? But so I, you know, kept diving deeper into it and I was like, okay, well now I'm not so sure I want to believe that because it's making me question bigger, bigger issues. Um, but you know, then we look at verses in Romans where it says the wages of sin is death, um, stuff like that. The reality of it is even if hell is not the eternal torment, the fire, the pitchfork stabbing you, um, it, you still experience pain and you still have to go through the lake of fire. You still do experience that fire. Um, it just might not be eternal, but the reality of it um, is that like that pain might feel eternal because um, I don't know about any of you, maybe you have been burned alive, but it's very, <laughs> very unlikely. Um, I personally have never experienced that. So if I were to suddenly be engulfed in flames, <laughs> it, it would be very, very traumatic and it would be very intense. Um, and it could be two seconds or two minutes, but it would probably feel like eternity. <laughs> it would probably feel like it was happening for a lot longer than it actually was. Um, and that's just perspective. It's just, it, it would be such intense pain that we would never like have anything to reference it. So it would just feel so intense. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it kind of, for me, like if, if we're talking about, you know, kind of like uh, pain that feels eternal, uh, it kind of makes me uh, remember uh, some, uh, some event in CFLC 
that I could say felt eternal. Uh, uh, you know, hashtag boot camp. Uh, <laughs> top secret. Top yeah, secret. Top secret. Uh, but, you know, just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had to throw that joke in. I had to make one. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, but, yeah, so um, so then I, I'm like, okay, okay, we're, pu- we're putting this in perspective. You know, maybe hell is not eternal flame, but it is it is pain and it it is death. It is a final death. And the opportunity that we were given when Christ died on the cross is an opportunity for eternity in peaceful, you know, bliss with God in heaven. And that that is like what it's all about. That's what we want at the end of our lives. Um, we do not want to be separated from God for eternity to cease to exist. We want to, you know, go to heaven and be in his presence for the rest of our lives. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of our destination, our purpose. Just yeah. to be with our creator. Um, and uh, just kind of, uh, uh, just, I, I wanted to say one thing about uh, Gehenna before we kind of bring this yeah, for sure. episode to a close. Um, for me, I'm very interested in fa- kind of like in digging a little bit, a little bit about Solomon and King Solomon and uh, how in the Old Testament he was referred to as the wisest man on earth, mm-hmm. uh, you know, aside mm-hmm. from Jesus. Uh, and for me, I was just like, if he was so wise, why did why did he get led astray by all his wives and concubines and all his yeah. women friends? Women. <laughs> so, um, and I just, I was like looking into it. And as we know, I mean, uh, in the Old Testament, he did get led astray by his, by his women. And his women, some of his women that he had, his foreign wives, mm-hmm. they worshipped Moloch, which was the god that was in the, villa, uh, in the Valley of Hinnom, um, which means that that's where kind of like the Israelites kind of fell into child sacrifice and human mm-hmm. sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah. Because then also if, uh, if King Solomon were to worship this god, because, I mean, he was led astray, yeah. uh, he would have to burn his children. Yeah. Uh, so... That's uh, for me. That's kind of like I could see that just in a way of, okay, so this is where the Israelites start to fall in back into yeah. kind of going to a sheep to slaughter type of thing. Yeah, um, kind of the beginning of Gehenna, right? Where right. where that originated? Yeah. So, um, and that's just kind of like a a side note about uh, mm-hmm. Solomon and uh, Moloch and Baal and all that. And but, I think yeah. I think to like. To kind of put that in perspective a little bit, um, I because I talked about this with my dad a lot um, when I was struggling with it, just because he's always open to these kind of conversations. And um, one of the first things that he told me was, um, "I'm." He said, "I'm not too concerned with the afterlife." He said, "I'm more focused." on living out my salvation on earth. That's good. Um, And so with, you know, that piece about Solomon, 
um, you know, he was so respected, but even, even while he was on earth, he got led astray. And so then it led to very, very awful things. Um, so I think as Christians, we have to, you know, of course I love, you know, digging deeper theological discussions, but the reality of it is we do not live for the afterlife. We live for life, the current life. Um, so we have to make sure that, you know, we're trying to be as much like Jesus as we could. Yeah, uh, I think that's definitely, uh, that's definitely uh, important and beautiful. Uh, thank you, Jake, for sharing that, definitely. Uh, uh, but yeah, like uh, kind of on that note, uh, I, I, you know, I full-heartedly agree with that. I mean, we can talk about theology all day long. We can talk about uh, a deeper sense of the Bible. Uh, but at the end of the day, at the end of it all, man, like we got to be able to be, make it some sort of change in this world. You know, yeah, what are we totally. doing now? You know, yeah. um, I love having these kind of talks, um, but I can't, I got to always focus myself on like, all right, I can have these talks, yeah. but uh, what am I doing now that I'm affecting other people with? What am yeah, I doing totally. that, uh, I'm, how am I encouraging other people? How am I bringing more people? How am I speaking life into people? Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of times from what I see is people that, are in a position like me and Drake where we like these type of conversations and discussions. Mm-hmm. They get so wrapped up in like figure, figuring out life with theology, but yeah. they let, lose the sense of relationship. They lose the sense yeah. of mm-hmm. um, leaving an impact and lose the sense of just kind of how powerful uh, just a moment can be with another person yeah. on a more intimate level than just a discussion. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, that's just kind of a little nugget of intimacy, you could say. Uh, but uh, we're just going to... What You got anything else to say, Drake? Um, nothing too big. Nothing too that, big. Was, that was amazing. Cool. I loved it. Yeah, awesome. Well, um, just a, a, a couple of announcements before we close off uh, uh, this episode of Theo Bell. So I'm going to... I did tell Drake what we're going to do for next episode. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's uh, Popeye versus Batman. Oh, big big theological. <laughs> no, <laughs> Joey. Oh, coming soon to theaters. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I did tell Drake uh, what we're we gonna do for the next episode. But actually, I'm gonna give him a curveball and actually uh, switch it up. <laughs> my glasses but, just fell off my face. <laughs> but we're actually gonna talk about uh, creator or destroyer. Um, and uh, kind of how that entails with like uh, a lot of times we read about how God is a creator, how God is a, a God of speaking life and just creating mm. life. Wow! But then there's times in the Old Testament where we see God just kind of like do mm. some, in a way, terrible things. Yeah. Um, or or I like uh, how I like to see it as people seeing it as terrible things. Uh, yes. So we'll get into that. Uh, it's going to be an intense conversation. Yes, I'm very uh, intrigued. Yes, uh, it's going to be really, really awesome. Uh, but that's going to be the next episode. And just kind of, you know, obviously, guys, uh, keep it cool. Uh, me and Drake, you know, Theo Bell. Theo Bell, Maybe signing we'll, off. Yes, yes. Thanks for everything. Yes, Much love. love you guys. So, see you.